Somebody's got the clicker if you're wondering what we're talking about. Where's the clicker? That's the technical term for the thing that switches the PowerPoint. Where's the clicker? It's usually right here. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you, Lord. We just thank you for the logos of God. In the beginning was the logos. We thank you for your logos, and we just thank you for your rhema. We just ask that you speak to us in this time. Just the cacophony of noise that we wade through daily. Social media, all manner of opinions, our own opinions and thoughts. We just ask that you would speak above it all. We ask you to bring clarity. We ask for the trumpet to make a certain sound. We thank you, Lord, in the times in which we've been called. We embrace them. We don't shrink back. We stand. In Jesus' name, we just ask you to bless this time. Amen. We're going to jump right into Ephesians 6 from a time perspective. I just want to get right in there. Last week, we did chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. We're going to move on to 13. But just for context's sake, it makes sense to, to uh, highlight again 10 to 12 to give context to, uh, to, to, as a starting point. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Therefore, in light of what he's just said, this organized demonic army, in light of that, he goes on and says, therefore. He says a second time to put on the full armor of God, not parts of the armor of God. And I cannot stress that enough. You might migrate to certain pieces of the armor more than other pieces. It doesn't matter. Eat your broccoli your rice, and your chicken, if you're in my house. Amen? Why do you have to put your full armor on? So that you may be able to stand. Hold your ground. Don't buckle under the pressure. Stand immovable. The implication to me and Paul is that if you don't put on the full armor of God, you will not stand. It's axiomatic. It's mathematical. That you may be able to stand when? In the evil day. What type of day do you think we're in right now? A little bit evil. Mildly evil. Full-blown. And in light of this, in the light of what is before us in the media and the news and the school systems, how do, we, how do we stand? How do we heed? It says to pay more close attention to what you've heard. Jesus would say, hear ye, hear ye. It's a way of like, listen up. You in the back sleeping, listen up. As it were. Hypothetically. I just want to add one more metaphor here that I find helpful for me. It's a picture actually of this church and it's this. 
It's a lighthouse. And I just feel this helps illuminate a bit what Paul's saying. I don't want to get too many metaphors going on because we're, we know what the metaphor is before us, but the purpose of this lighthouse is to warn mariners of a potential danger that is present. The lighthouse alerts the mariners by, nib- by just emitting a light. And they see that light and they know what that light means. Now, these lighthouses have to, inst- to withstand intense pressures, forces, in order to do the des- job they're designed to do. The winter waves pound and pound, unrelenting on these structures, but they don't give it any ground. Years and years they stand. Why are they able to do that, you may ask? Well, the engineers designed them to stand, and they built them in a way that they would withstand these forces. But it's also what they're built upon. They're built upon granite, and they're built of granite, so they can withstand the toughest of storms without collapse. Now, there's something, I believe, of of this in Paul's mind that he's speaking to this church in Ephesus. That they will be to be established and be able to stand and, and, and persist against the most violent of storms. To shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A warning to all those of the coming day of the Lord. When all else to stand. In light of this truth, the sobering scripture that Paul has already brought to us. So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Sobering. We are the lighthouse. We are the army of God. Now in this position of standing, what does he say next? Get a generator, buy silver, buy gold. By dry food supply. Now, Paul's instructions are very different from this. He says, put on the armor. Armor, he speaks of. Now, he uses the armor, the metaphor of a Roman soldier. Now, he's many times imprisoned, and he's most likely imprisoned when writing this. So he has this in front of him, or at times of interaction with Roman soldiers, he's had time to examine. And in the study of them, he starts to build a foundation for this passage. And he encourages us to put on this armor. So don't be just aware of it. Don't be able to, as it were, regurgitate what the armor is. Don't be able to look at it in the closet, but to put it on. To take hold of these truths. Not to just have them as statements of doctrine, but something that's ingested. To be intentional with them. Not to be just intellectual acknowledgement, but to put on, to take hold of them. The armor. Pretty simple. Now, when you think of armor, what's the first thing you're most interested in, at least as a man? You gotta start with a sword, dude. That's where he's gotta start. He doesn't start with a sword, though. It's actually the last thing he talks about. It's interesting. He's a wise man. This man's been through it. Shipwrecked. Beaten. Hostility wherever he's gone. Even the Holy Spirit warns him. 
that ain't going to be easy, every town he goes to. First missionary journey till his last, running from the Jews, trying to murder him. This man we got to listen to. Okay, what's up, Paul? How come you're still here? How are you still standing? Okay, let's tell me. All right. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Hmm. It's important that Paul starts with truth. I believe he's being strategic in this. We must first be set free before we can even begin to be an effective soldier. Truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, would you define yourself as a person that seeks truth? A truth seeker? What if the truth contradicts your current mindset? Your worldview? What if it contradicts the culture that you embrace? At what point will you reject truth? Because if you continue, it will cost you too much. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. There's a scripture that my mother used to often quote. I remember my mother speaking on this. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, instruction, and understanding. What does it mean, this? What what do you mean buy the truth and sell it not? Truth will cost you. It means the pursuit of the truth, not my truth. Have you noticed that subtle difference these days? The truth and my truth? My truth, your truth, whose truth, his truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want the truth. The truth. It will cost you to pursue the truth. Once you've acquired the truth, hold on to it. Don't sell out. Don't have a price like Judas, 30 pieces of silver, and he betrayed the Son of God. That's probably pretty cheap, to be honest. He had a low price. Do you have a price? House on the water? Warmer weather? A husband, potentially? A wife, potentially? If I could just get that, yes, I would compromise. Many have happily exchanged the truth of God to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a while. For a while. I trust this is not the case for us here. I do believe that. We are people who our Lord foretold would be worshippers of the Father in spirit and in truth. Truth. Truth is first. We must be freed from the shackles of deception and lies that we have lived in most of our lives. This is why repentance, the changing of our minds, is an ongoing process with the Lord. Whenever we are confronted in our faulty thinking with God's truth, we submit to the truth. And there is even greater freedom. This is at the center of what we are. We are seekers of truth. We know, the more we know, the more freer we get as we walk in truth. Next, Paul brings up the breastplate. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
righteousness. In a broad sense, it's the state of him who is as he ought to be, the condition acceptable to God. Where are you at with acceptance with your Father? Do you have confidence before Him? If you have confidence, where does this confidence come from? Paul labored to communicate what Jesus has done for us as it pertains to righteousness throughout all of his epistles, all of his letters. We must be confident in our relationship and standing before God. This is an extremely important part of the armor, righteousness. The issue, the main issue that Jesus Christ is dealing with on this planet with human beings is sin and unrighteousness. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. His name shall be Jesus and he will free his people from their sin. Do not deviate from that. That is central. To make that which is unrighteous, righteous. Not in works of their own, but in faith alone in Christ and his righteousness. That we might become the righteousness of Christ in God. This is extremely important, confidence. When you're going into war, you've got to know you've got the backing of your father. You've got to know in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus hears from his Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You've got to be square with him first. Are you square with him? We need our hearts, our vital organs, all protected from the attacks of the enemy. We must understand our righteousness by faith in Christ that has brought us peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Are you square? the breastplate of righteousness. He goes on to the feet. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation. Peter says this about the preparation. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be in dread. Sounds like warfare to me, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. I'd also like to make a point here. The note that the feet, it's an obvious point, are the means of movement from one location to another. My feet are doing this. I know it may be... Amazing and magical because you can't see them, but I have feet that are moving. It gives us stability, the feet. Right? The feet give us stability. The means of stability for us. As Paul says, this is how I stand. Stand. Stand on what? Stand in what? The gospel of peace. Hmm. More specifically, I believe we need to acquire and digest, stand in, walk in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the means of strength and stability in your life. A clear understanding of it. Not a sort of, I think, no, you know the gospel. Now, it's well known amongst boxers that their punching power does not come from the strength of their arms. If you know anything about boxing. The kinetic energy that finds its outlet through their fist is generated from their feet. 
their foundation. So their feet are not just keeping them upright. It's not just giving them ability to move around and avoid punches from the opponents, but it's the very starting point of their power is the gospel. That's where we start. That's where we strength. That's the foundation of why we do what we do. That's why Paul says, I boast in the gospel alone. I count every other thing that you may esteem as pretty cool as rubbish, as dung, as menstrual pads. That's what he says. It wants nothing to do with it, except one thing I boast in, Christ. Christ alone is the banner. Christ alone is the banner over the Christian position in the spiritual realm. It's my means by which we stand. He is the source and strength. It is finished. He was crucified. He was buried. He's ascended. He's seated. Is there anything more for him to do? Above all, stand taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I put it together because that's kind of prayer meeting to me. That's why it says you should gather together. Don't forsake yourself to being a part of a local body. Bless Zoom, but it's not a church, technically. It's better than nothing, but God wants his people to gather together to be like this, to stand fast against that which is attacking you, to bear each other's burdens, to come together in the gifts of the Spirit flow, not for you to be blessed, but for other people to be blessed, for the edification and the lifting up. But faith... Bring the shields together. Look at the uniformity of that, the beauty of that. I believe it's one of the primary strategies of Satan is to undermine our faith. Think about your own life. If you've been around for a while, you've taken some knocks, life hasn't been super awesome all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And when your faith is undermined and weakened, we come to a grinding halt in our spiritual effectiveness as soldiers. We just do. The protective shield is lowered, and the fiery darts of Satan start getting past and start finding the target. That's what happens. I know this from the Word, and I know this from my own life. Now, if we don't catch ourselves, we take our eyes completely off the Lord. We take our eyes off the reliance on the Holy Spirit. Remember, it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. You don't realize he's left the room, as it were, in that sense, right? There's that, there, that closeness is not there. I understand he will never leave you nor forsake, but there's the communion's gone. You don't hear him anymore. And, of course, because of that, we look to ourselves, our own resources. The appetite for the ways of God fades as we walk in our own strength. Peace gives way to fear. Love gives way to selfishness. And God gives way to self. Eventually, bitterness sets in because we intellectually know and understand the way to life and freedom, but we are not experiencing any of it. Religion has replaced our relationship with God. We continue to coach church. We continue to give. We continue to do many things, but there's a deadness to it. We must protect our faith by being very aware of what we watch what we listen to, what we even think upon, what we meditate on. These things have power in our lives. We need to take every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. 
We must foster our faith and allow it to flourish and grow. A firm faith can withstand and extinguish any fiery dart of the devil. It says any dart that he sends, faith. Hebrews 11 is an incredible chapter in the book. Amazing chapter. He starts out with, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the very evidence of things unseen. By faith, we know the universe was created by that which is unseen. And it talks about these incredible people in the old, by faith they came. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to him must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it just starts out, man, by these, by faith, boom, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's the means of exchange. It's the means of acquiring that which God has given us. By grace are you saved through faith. So if you're the enemy, what are you going to pinpoint? Faith. And take the helmet of salvation. Always be mindful of the hope of the calling. This earth is not our home. If you read in Romans 4, it talks about Abraham and it says he's, he saw that which wasn't as though it were. He was seeking a heavenly Jerusalem. The salvation that Peter speaks of that's yet to be revealed. There's something waiting for us. Our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Pressing on towards the mark of the high call in Christ Jesus. Encouraging each other while today is still today to pursue and produce good works for the Father. To bear much fruit. Looking up for our redemption draws nigh. These are what influences our mind. What we contemplate. What helps us, encourages us, is the hope of our calling. The hope of our salvation. Protecting us. Lord, thank you, Lord. You know the noise in the head. You know the trash talk in the head. The Lord just renewing the mind, protecting the mind. The hope of our salvation. The last one. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Logos of God. It's actually Rhema, though. It's interesting. There's two words. The word here is actually Rhema, the speaking of the words, as opposed to the written, which is the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the Breath, the God, His Word. And I think it's very strategic. Paul uses Rhema here. Because it's the spoken, the speaking of it. There's no doubt that acquiring greater knowledge of Scripture and application are of the highest importance. But Paul is asking us to do something here different, encouraging us to speak the Word of God. To have it on our lips. To make proclamation and statements over our lives. I understand you need to know what the Word of God says before one can proclaim it. 
But the encouragement here is to proclaim, to stand fast. This is the only arsenal I see that is meant to attack the enemy. I'm not trying to hit the enemy with my salvation or my righteousness or take off my shoe and start hitting them with the gospel. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God. It's not the latest bestseller. It's not some of the worship music, and I have the blessing now to have discovered something called, you might not have heard of it, Spotify. Have you heard of that? Well, when you're older, these things take time. So I got sick of listening to Jeremy Riddle's uh, album 30 times, 40 times, 50. Okay, something's got to be out there. I realize there's a lot of worship songs that Spotify suggests that really are not very biblical, just so you know. They sound good, they rhyme, they do things, but I'm like, it's just a little bit off. You got to get into the Word. You got to know the Word for yourself. I know there's great bestsellers out there, there's great books to read, there's great preaching, there's great all manner. But you yourself must take this book and memorize and get it into you and put it on and own it. Because it begins to transform your thinking. So now you start to think like the kingdom. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the way we think often is the issue. And the Word of God is critical in this because then out of the mouth comes what's from the mind. And the Word of God on our lips. And He's speaking the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the means by which even Jesus Himself used in Matthew 4 when the devil came and tempted Him. He quoted out of Deuteronomy 8. Have you ever rebuked the devil with Deuteronomy 8? What's in Deuteronomy 8? Exactly. The Word. It is written. It is written. It is written. Your opinion is, is way down here. It is written. What matters is what God has written, not what the opinions of men and women are for this generation because it's constantly changing. We care about what is written, what the Word says. So there we go. There's the sermon. Put on the full armor of God. Do you want to stand? You guys see what's going on out there. How are you? Are you, are you putting on the full armor of God to stand? Are you using some other armor that you think is more expedient, more effective? We need to stand in the truth, in righteousness, in the gospel, in faith, salvation, in the word of God. And you will note if you go to Galatians chapter 5, much of this it seems very familiar to the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul will tell us in other parts of his letters to walk in the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it's all about the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it's all about walking in the Spirit, juxtaposing the flesh and the Spirit. We put this on with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that's our warfare. It's not against flesh and blood. So why do we keep on putting armor that fights flesh and blood? Why does God take Paul, who should have gone to the Jews because he could have 
kicked butt and took names with the Jews who knew all things about the Jewish customs and everything about the Jews, and he sends them to Gentiles. What a waste, Lord. God delights to take the weak to confound the strong. He delights to take the, the unlearned to, con, to confound the wisdom of, the, of men and women. It is so important for us to yield. Just yield. Yes, I know you think you're amazing, but just yield to what he has got for us. We want to stand. We want to take what God has got for us, but we must do God's warring God's way. We cannot hope to strike like this. Paul says, I box in such a way that I may win. You're not flailing in the dark, hoping I'm hitting a demon somewhere. Eventually I'll hit something. No, no, that's not chill out, dude. We stand in the gospel. When else we stand? We're wise. We think like Jesus thinks. We have the mind of Christ. We're not put off by all this weird stuff going on with the, whatever the woke people are doing. Over No, we're focused. What's God doing? What's he doing? What's he advancing? We're going to get behind what he's doing. We're not frenzied. We've got our shield strong, upright. We're confident because we've got the breastplate of righteousness. We stand fast. We're not insecure. We're strong in Christ. We confess our weaknesses boldly because we know the strength of Christ more than surpasses any weakness I could have. It's in Him we live and breathe and have our being. And in that mindset and with this armor, we overcome. We can be written into Hebrews 11 that that Jordan did this by faith. Abby did this by faith. Overcame by faith, by faith. And we're written in because we're people that take the book seriously. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are here for the purpose of fulfilling the calling that's on our lives. We want to advance the kingdom until we have to tap out and go home. Everything else will burn. All that the world is pursuing will be burned. We want that which is eternal, the hope that is to come. Amen? Let's stand together, please. Lord, we honor the Lord. We exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a church, we just declare who you are. As a church, we make a spiritual land declaration that this earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. That, Lord Jesus, you are seated, it is finished. We declare over our lives we're not victims if we're in Christ. We are not victims in Christ. We are victors. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We embrace the call on our lives. Help us against distractions, Lord. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who lists him as a soldier. Good soldiers, Lord. We accept our commission to be useful to you, to fight your battles, not ours. To be where you want us, not ourselves. To yield to your calling. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the call in our lives. We thank that it's without without repentance, the gifts and callings of God. So henceforth, Lord, we move on from the past. We cut all of all the stuff from the past off and we say, no, this day forward. As for me and my house, 
We lift you high, Lord. We exalt your name. Lift you high. You can ask these guys to sing one more song. And just in that, just allow God to move, to do. But we are a victory people. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear no evil. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the woke. I don't care. I'm looking at Christ, not the waves. We are people transfixed on that which is to come. The hope. We look to the new Jerusalem. We praise you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We boast in you, Lord. We boast in what you've done. We declare it over our lives. We declare it over all the intimidating, demonic things. All the stuff that would want to come against us. God is for us. Who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. This worship.